Hello and welcome to Totem Talks. I'm Helen Fruin. And I'm Mark Smith. And this is part three of three Mm -hmm. in the series of Do You Want to Quit Your Job? And How Can We Help, more importantly? It's a bit of a thing. It's a bit of a thing. There's loads of noise on LinkedIn, loads of noise on business commentary, journalists saying we're going to see this big mass exodus uh people not wanting to return to the office and that is one thing to say i don't want to go back to the office it's another thing to say i want to change my job it's another thing to say actually you know what i'm going to set up my own business it's true and i think there's for a reasonable part of the uh a reasonable number of people who are are leaving their jobs currently uh doing it by themselves is is definitely on the cards for them Mm. um we explored in episode one or part one um, the logistics of actually setting up your own business. Which... Going self-employed, becoming a limited company. Yeah. So have a look at part one if you want to see that. Part two um, was how do you actually get clients? Fairly tricky thing to do. Uh, it can take some time. But if you want more details, obviously go and watch part two or listen, depending on your platform of choice. This one is actually how do you do a good job? Now, I, I keep calling it that. Your 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 title for this podcast is how to be a good consultant. I mean, it's the same thing, right? Yeah. And I, yes, we are targeting this at people who work in our industry and so are likely to be providing HR consultancy services or L&D or talent management. So that would mean to do a good job means to be a good consultant. Mm-hmm. But even if you're listening to this and you do something totally different, the skill of being a good consultant is being a good salesperson, mm-hmm. being a good business partner, somebody wants to buy from, having a good relationship with your clients. So although I would call it being a good consultant, ultimately that translates into being good at your job and making sales. Yes. And I could sum this entire podcast up into like a sentence maybe. So we could Do it. Um, there we go. We're finished. <laughs> for me, it, it's just care. Care about and not care about yourself. I think that's one of the biggest challenges. I think you know, obviously you're going to have mortgages to pay and all of those things. But as soon as you can translate caring about yourself into actually caring what the client wants, um, as opposed to what you think they need, mm. there's a big distinction there. It's a massive difference. You'll actually find a lot of work-life satisfaction from making that connection and from maybe taking a, a bit of a hit in places where actually you have to say, I can't do as good a job as you know this person or this product. Um, so care um, about the client's needs um, and kind of suspend your own agenda at times, which mm. I know links a little bit vaguely into sort of the trusted advisor business Not vaguely partner. at all it links massively mm. so yeah that, that's that's where i would probably start this podcast actually is is give a hoot give a hoot genuinely mm. care absolutely and i think it's interesting what you talk about what the client wants or needs versus what you think they need or what you want to sell or what you're particularly wanting to push uh i mean it's actually a downside in, in terms of my skill set or my style of working that I will often go so far to what does the client want? What does the client want? And sometimes clients are saying, no, I want you to tell me. I trust you. I want your advice. And so this isn't about saying don't offer advice, Mm -hmm. but have you really listened? Have you really cared about where that business is at and what it needs? As opposed to, again, as you say, your focus, the the product you've got or or how you think you can help. Um, 
I mean, I guess if we, you've mentioned trusted advisor there, if we were to pull some research behind what we're talking about here, there's two key models or lines of thinking that are helpful for us in talking about what makes a good consultant, or as we say, what makes you good at your job. Uh, One is the trusted advisor, as you mentioned, which has been around for eons. Mm -hmm. And the other is the challenger sale. Yeah. Now, a lot of people dislike the idea of talking about sales particularly if you're talking about in-house business consulting, but that's a whole other podcast. Uh, Let's talk right now about being an external provider. You're going to have to acknowledge that you work in sales. Mm. If you don't get comfortable with the fact that you are now a salesperson running your own business, you're constantly going to undermine yourself. Mm -hmm. You're constantly going to look massively uncomfortable when clients ask you about money. Oh, yes. And that's not a good place to be. Mm. So start with, I am a salesperson. And that is okay. I don't have to be, we've got so many hangups about what it means to be a salesperson. Like I'm going to be really pushy and cheesy and tacky and use loads of jargon and try and pull the wool over your eyes because I'm trying to rip you off. Sales doesn't have to be like that. Sales can be really good conversations, really good relationships. What do you need and how can I help? Yeah. And I think what might be more helpful than anything on this podcast is for me to just actually put a figure on it if you're charging less than £500 a day for whatever it is you do in the HR talent management space, you're undercharging um, by a long way, probably. I mean, we do occasionally see people charging £500, but it, it's 2021, not 1982. You know that that is a minimum day rate that we expect to be charged by some of our subcontractors. And... We, you know, we obviously have to pass that on to the client and we're not going to do that for free because we've got a business to run. So so that minimum, so if you're sitting there thinking, oh, how much should I charge? Mm. Start at £500 a day. The real reason... Rock bottom. Rock bottom. I mean, <laughs> rock that's, bottom. that's rock bottom. And that's working with small companies, right? If yeah. you're working with large corporates, they will laugh at you for £500 a day. Yeah. Whereas if you're working with smaller businesses... They and this is where you get into the tension. If you're working with small businesses, five hundred pounds a day is extremely expensive, mm-hmm. and so that's where people get stuck. Yeah. If you're thinking about who you want your clients to be, that's going to help you with your pricing model as well. Yeah. Uh, the only way you could get lower than that is if you start to productize it and you start to dictate what clients are taking from you. So you've got an off-the-shelf product, basically. That's the only way you can get below that. Part of that is down to you're never going to get five days a week delivery so someone's going to come to you eventually and say you charge 500 pounds a day oh let me do the maths on that that's a million quid a year no it's not no <laughs> you'll get two delivery days a week you'll get two marketing days a week and then you'll get one day for whatever faffy admin's going to get thrown you so doing your tax return doing a tax return <laughs> and then don't forget you've also got to pay the tax man on that twice for your own personal salary and then your corporation tax potentially so don't 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 discredit yourself know your value and i think with that confidence that makes you better mm. you know instead of being a flapper in a sales meeting mm. and someone who's a little unsure and is going to be quite nervous and and less credible mm. in those sales meetings i think when you know your own value um and it's a minimum of 500 pounds a day mm. um you know you can have, you can go in there you can have some confidence in what you're charging what your knowledge what your skill set is um i think that really helps yeah um it just it, it it encourages you to blossom having that kind of confidence behind you 
And there's also something, um, I didn't intend this podcast to be about pricing, but no, I know no, that no. for a lot that's, of people... That's my, I've done it again. <laughs> but I think it's helpful, right? How many people, ourselves included, have gone into business and said, well, I don't know how to price. Mm. And so if you have left an in-house HR role, how much were you paying your suppliers? Mm. And you go, oh, well, my suppliers were big companies and I'm a small company. Okay, and is your expertise any less? Mm. You know, yes, okay, if you're a big company, you've got overheads and blah, blah, blah. But also you're paying for the expertise of the person. And I'm just going to point it out. Usually you're paying for someone who's just got off a grad scheme and knows nothing. They've read the company's manual. I'd much rather, so this is, you know, 20 years now of actually doing this. I'd much rather pay for a small to medium-sized company, probably the medium-sized companies, where I'm likely to get a senior or executive level um, sort of contact within that company to run the project than I would go to sort of PwC and know that I'm literally going to get a 20-year-old off a grad program. No disrespect to 20-year-olds on grad programs, but if, as a business owner, if I can get even more value-add from my £1,000, £2,000 a day, um, I, I know exactly where I'm going. Absolutely. And so look at, yeah, as you say, if, you, if you're paying someone from PwC £2,000 a day, and then you're looking at yourself thinking, well, I don't work for PwC. Well, if you've got 20 years more experience than the person coming in from PwC, maybe that's worth £2,000 a day. Mm-hmm. So there is something beneficial here about talking about pricing. And I'm going to mention coaching because coaching is a dark pile of secrecy <laughs> when it comes to pricing. People are not open about their pricing of coaching. And I have seen everything from £150 an hour to six thousand pounds an hour that is the range i've seen of how much people charge for coaching and so if you are thinking about becoming an executive coach a life coach again it's probably helpful for you to hear about pricing models life coaching will tend to be cheaper because again your clients are likely to be joe down the road who's paying for this out of their own bank Mm. if you're an executive coaching the bank's paying, uh, yeah, the company's uh, yeah, paying. Yeah. So that's where you can get up to your, your £6,000 an hour. Um, to share with transparency, Totem's rates are £500 for 90 minutes. That adjusts according to the individual and what they're requiring and all that kind of jazz. But it gives you a starting point to say, okay, well, I know if I'm somewhere between 150 and six grand, uh, and certainly in my experience, people in our in our space of executive coaching, line manager, senior manager coaching, are around that 400 to 600 pounds for about 90 minutes. Mm. Um, then I hope that's helpful to people listening who are thinking, how do I price this? How do I price this? And also, I mean, and, and this is, I think, good for, when you talk about what we're charging people, sometimes I have a little meltdown and faint because I'm like, <laughs> you, you you charge them what for that? And um, I have to remember that you're the one who's been through this process more so than me. So I'm a little distinct from the sales process in terms of, you know, understanding what actually we're doing for clients. Um, I just look at the numbers and sometimes I think we didn't charge enough. And then sometimes I look at numbers and think, damn girl, <laughs> you did good there. But um, I think it, it's, again, I'm coming back to that. Just have confidence in in your knowledge, your skill set, and, and hopefully with these numbers out in the, out in the wild, you'll be able to assess your own worth. And again, to your point, one of the reasons I have more confidence doing this is because I've been the in-house buyer mm. buying in these services. So I know how much these services cost. Yeah, And that's what 12 years ago now that yeah, I've been yeah. in-house. 
I doubt those prices have gone down. Yeah, they, <laughs> they should have gone up a wee bit by, exactly. by now as well. Uh, so anyway, we got a little bit distracted there on pricing. Mm-hmm. I, as I say, I'm sure that's useful for people anyway. Uh, in terms of then the trusted advisor challenger sale piece, there are four key skills. This is going to test my memory now uh, that we can break down and, and we'll put a link under the podcast about where you can find more information on this on our website. Uh, four key skills of being good at your job or good at business partnering or being a consultant. Are you ready to test my knowledge? Yeah, go on. So one is business savvy, speaking your client's language. Mm-hmm. You talk about understanding your client's needs. You can't do that if you haven't been listening, if you haven't read up on their business, know something about what's going on for them. Speak their language. And that is a skill. Um, I can't do it as effectively as you. Um, I'm not entirely sure if that's practice. Quite possibly. Um, but during COVID, actually, it's been really interesting to see um, how much um, draining, how, how draining that skill can actually be. So pre-COVID, we would tend to do one client a day because it would be a trip into, into London. Uh, you would spend all day on site and then you'd come home. Um, now you have two or three clients a day because it's all down into, it, you know, our work has essentially been broken down into 90 minute, two hour chunks online. So it becomes a real painful exercise in getting your mindset out of a particular company's language and culture, taking half an hour, if that, and then to plop yourself into a completely different culture and language sphere. So you know, the difference between the way banks and lawyers talk to their staff is massively different to the way retail and, retailer and leisure talk to their staff. Yeah. You know? And as a consultant, you have to be that chameleon. You ha- you have to change your, your spots to even muddle that metaphor even further. <laughs> um, and that is a that is a real skill, and it's one worth highly learning. I would I would recommend that. Absolutely. So that's number one, business savvy. The next one is about building the trusted relationship. So that's where reading up on the trusted advisor. How do we build trust? How are you demonstrating credibility, reliability? When I say I'm going to do something, I do. You and I have probably moaned many times on this podcast about people who don't get back to you. Customer service, come on. If you are setting up a business and saying, I'm going to sell you this, and you say, oh, send you a proposal by three o'clock tomorrow, three o'clock tomorrow comes and goes, Mm. you're just reducing trust all the time. You're saying, if I offer to do something for you, I'm not going to deliver. Is that the message you want to send? Yeah. And, and you know, that starts in some really simple places. Um, If you're going to have a website, make sure your contact form works. That's, that's really, I mean, that's just like, I mean, it it sounds silly, but every week I go onto our website and I send myself a test email. Just so I know it works. I just make sure, I just got to make sure, you just can't assume that the, you know, your contact form, which is going to be, you know, a main source of contact for a lot of people, make sure it works. Um, Likewise, your phone. (laughs) If it rings, pick it up. (laughs) It's the, you know, these are really real basics to, to, to like just that first gateway, you know, build trust. One thing I would suggest when you do, so this is um, a cute story here, is you also need to be polite when you answer the phone. So many, many moons ago, the phone has rang here in the office and I have answered the phone and a lady has said, oh, hi, my name's X. I'm ringing from you, Switch. And I was like, oh, they're trying oh, to sell me something. Just, yeah, my mind was there. 
Oh, I was just about to say no thanks, love, and put the phone down. Uh, when I, it just occurred to me that actually she might actually be calling from you switch as a as a client, and she says it's Helen there. And I was like, oh, <laughs> so relieved, so relieved, and that actually turned into like that year is one of, one of that one of the biggest pieces of work that year, just because I wasn't the, rude. I wasn't rude. <laughs> Could you imagine that? I mean, you would never know. Obviously, I would have just slammed the phone down and said, oh, I want another scam caller. But actually, when people do call your phone, you honestly take a minute. <laughs> just take a minute of your time just to listen to them fully. Are they trying to hack your computer? Or actually, they're calling from Switch, and they've got some money for you. Um, so, yeah, patience when you do answer <laughs> the phone is a, is, a, is a little word to the wise there. Good tip. And goodness, you know, if you're listening to this thinking, hang on a second, this is all a bit too basic. How many bad customer experiences have you had? Like people suck at customer service. Yeah, yeah, they do. Really bad. Yeah. So you can stand out from the crowd by being good at it. Yeah, or, or just being competent at it. I think people who are competent at customer service often stand out. Mm. Um, deliver the basics. Deliver the basics, do it well. Yeah. yeah. So speak your client's language, mm-hmm. build a good relationship. Mm-hmm influence and teach Mm. so this is the challenger sale piece if you are going particularly if you're offering a a consultancy right so i'm an expert in hr or i'm an expert in employment law or i'm coming in to advise you on your talent management practices then i've got to teach you i've got to challenge you i can't just and this comes back to what the client wants versus challenging them on that Mm -hmm. so i can't just come in and have you say oh i want you to deliver this leadership development program this is what i want it to look like and here's your money go deliver it you can do that but as i say where where we've been challenged in the past is with clients saying well i was kind of expecting you to add more value because you know more about leadership development programs than i do Mm -hmm. i've put this straw man together of of what the content could look like but what do you think and if you can be that challenger who says, well, actually, it needs to be twice the size of that or half the size of that, or you've totally missed this important piece, mm-hmm. you're adding value above and beyond the the actual delivery that you're yeah. doing because you are showing your expertise is greater than theirs, is different than theirs, and that's how you add value. Yeah. And the, I, I, my, my view is the easiest way to do that is to read. Just read widely, read far. You know, books are tax deductible. So that's a great start. Um, you know, LinkedIn forums and groups, to some degree, you can get stuck in a bit of an echo chamber there. I would also recommend signing up to some of the newsletters from some of the bigger players in our industry. Every, every, I think every quarter, I think, we get um, a bit of an email dump from, you know, companies who are doing Gallup, this. Yeah, HBR, Gallup, yeah, exactly, you know. You know for you to know what they're talking about yeah. and for you to offer that insight to your client yeah. because your clients often don't have time to read those things, no. you can add value to them. So, you know, by by reading widely, you, you it's not just you enhance your credibility, but you maintain it. Mm. And I think so often I've come across people who have suggested that we take a certain approach to hiring or whatever, and um, you're like... I mean, that was awesome in 1997, Derek, but, um, we, you know, we do things a bit differently now. You know, there are some organisations where if you talk about gamification and gamifying the application process, you know, there's 
an awful lot of people running through the hills going, no, 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 no. You're like, mm, no, 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 actually, it's got some validity to it and credibility. So just keep yourself current. Um, and that's part of remembering your value. Mm. And that if you allow yourself to become stale and crusty, why would I employ you? If you know, if you're if you're regularly speaking about posting about sharing some of the more cutting edge or or current mm. theories in the HR world, then you're going to get more work for it. Mm. Absolutely. And so then our final one is planning and contracting. It's the I've written a proposal. Mm-hmm. I've said that I'm going to do this. Comes back to the reliability. Have I delivered it? But also, have I planned out how many days that's going to take? Because scope creep is your biggest issue. Mm-hmm. You said before that some of the numbers you look at with our clients, you say, oh, I think we undercharge there. And some others, you say, oh, wow, that looks really generous. And they will even themselves out. That is very true. Scope creep is an issue because you go into some projects thinking this is going to be a small amount of work and it just gets bigger and bigger. You go into other projects, often on the, off the back of those ones, mm. you go into other projects saying, well, let's build in more contingency time. And then how wonderful it turns out you don't need as much of it. Being aware of that scope creep to then say, okay, what you're asking me to do in addition to what we agreed, let's just be clear that that's in addition to what we agreed. Yeah. And so either I'm going to decide to throw that in as an extra as a goodwill in which case tell the person you're doing that don't just keep giving them stuff for free without them even knowing that you're doing it because then they will always expect it Mm -hmm. be clear about when you're doing someone a favor or when you are adding something as as a goodwill gesture or say okay this much we we've added on now this extra thing that you want this is going to be the fee if you want that and I've had loads of clients who say, well, I, I don't have the extra budget for that. Okay, well, if that's important, what can we take out from the mm. other contract to, to make this work? So when we're planning and contracting, it's not just the bit at the beginning. No. It's staying on top of your numbers. It's staying on top. You are the budget holder for this piece of work. You're the budget holder for yourself. Right. So when, when you had, you know, if, if you're in a, in a project at work and the budget starts to creep, you're like, oh, we'll get finance to sign it off. You are now finance. If if you're allowing the projects to creep out of control mm. and you're not being paid for that, then you're quickly moving below the £500 a day yeah. or whatever rate it is you're setting. And that's completely on you. Um, it's You know, it's your job. Like you say, you are the responsible mm. budget holder here to actually just step up and say, hmm. And speaking from experience, this is the painful bit. When you do, let's be honest, when I have done not speaking hypothetically here, when I have just kind of, oh, the client's asked for this, the client's asked for this, I'll just keep doing it, I'll just keep doing it. Not communicated to the client that what they're asking for is outside the scope of the proposal. Not communicated that I'm going to do this anyway. I end up resenting the client. Mm. So I'm now working for a business and doing a project and feeling resentment. How do you think that's going to come across to the client? How do you think that's going to affect your relationship? It will manifest somehow. I mean, it won't, It won't. you know, depending on how good you, your masks are, but it will manifest somehow. So it's much better to just be transparent. You can mm. even talk at the beginning of the project about how do we want to deal with scope creep? So this is what we've decided in this proposal. If at some point you were to come to me and say, can we add in this? How would you like us to have that conversation? Then it, it kind of gives you that sense that you've given yourself permission. Absolutely. Later yeah, on in the yeah, process, yeah. just makes everything easier. Yeah. 
So there you have it. Those are our four skills for being a good consultant or being good at your job. Business savvy, speak the client's language, Mm -hmm. build a good relationship, influence, teach, advise, know your stuff, uh, and then planning and contracting. Yeah, manage the process. Mm -hmm. Um, Awesome. Well, uh, so that concludes the the three-parter. We're going to stick it out in a little special newsletter. So if you would like to get hold of that newsletter, um, subscribe. Uh, send us your email visit our website there's loads of different ways of getting in touch with us too many in fact probably (laughs) Um, next time we will be talking about assessment ratings and rating scales Uh, one to four is a simple answer there Um, (laughs) so that's that also I mean in some slight news you have finished your book I have I have read (gasps) I have read a a draft copy Mm mm-hmm it needed some amendments in the beginning and then it was amazing. Mm. And I said this and, and dear listeners, can you believe that that feedback has not gone into Hannah's head? She only heard the first bit, <laughs> um, which is exciting. So what are we going to do for that? We're going to have like a podcast for that, do you think? Do you think what we're... I think there will be a few podcasts okay. about that because there's the story about where the book came from and why I wrote the book. They'll be talking about sharing snippets from the book. Mm. There's going to be a whole big book thing. I imagine there'll be some planning sessions in there. Mm-hmm. There's and a Gantt chart in, oh, in, in the making. Oh, oh tease me. Um, perfect. Well, uh, we shall see or speak to you in a few weeks' time, listeners. Have a wonderful week in between. Thank you.